This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. Necessary Roughness, brought to you by Southfield Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram. With 11-year NFL veteran, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year, and captain of the National Championship Michigan Wolverines, John Jansen. And 10-year NFL veteran, two-time Pro Bowl offensive tackle, and Super Bowl champion with the Green Bay Packers, T.J. Lang. Now, here's John Jansen and T.J. Lang. Well, TJ, I know that you had a great weekend. Your alma mater goes out west, gets a big win. You got a chance to see a win from the Detroit Lions early on in the NFL season. They are mm-hmm. sitting at 1-1. One and one. Uh, Let's talk about the Lions game for... Michigan for... wins and Michigan State loses. It's literally a perfect weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, a perfect weekend, man. Yeah, better be careful. Evan can do magic. Two best uh, words. On the podcast here. He might, he might change some things you say. Two best words... In the NFL, Victory Monday. Oh, my God. Victory Monday. We had to wait so long last year for a Victory Monday. Gosh, was it December? It was December. And November. And it, it, I, I don't remember how it all went down. You try and forget seasons like that, but wasn't the tie first? The tie was first. So yeah, you had, that was like week nine. You had a half of a something. We had a non-loss Monday, right. which was a good change of pace at that what point. What was Victory Monday like <laughs> for you guys? Because I never had... I never had seasons like you had in Green Bay. We did have some seasons where, you know, like my my rookie year, we won the division. So when we had rookie, we had Veteran Monday or, or Victory Monday, the vets always got Monday off. Rookies still had to come in, get their workout in. And obviously if you were, you know, nursing a bump or a bruise, you'd come in for treatment, you'd watch some film. But what was it like in Green Bay? Uh it was mostly later in the season, yeah. you know, when your body starts getting beat up a little bit. I think that's when you really started to get the full days off. Um, but Victory Monday, I think, was normally uh, come in, you know, like you said, if you're a little beat up, get your treatment, get a quick, I don't know, 30-minute flush lift going in there, get moving around a little bit, and then get out, right? Mm-hmm. You're saving yourself the... Uh, you know, the two or three hours of meetings that, oh, I know. you know, that hour of walk Watching through, the film with the coach, and, my God. And you're going through, hey, we ran this play yesterday that didn't work. You know, let's run it again. You know, try to correct it this time. And it's like, well, we already know what we're doing. You know, we already know what we're messed up at. So, but Victory Mondays were always great. Nice day to sleep in a little bit. You know, obviously, anytime you wake up after a win, uh, kind of rejuvenated a little bit. Yeah. Um, especially early in the season. I think we talked about... Uh, how important it was for this team to get a win, man. And they went out there, and I got to be honest with you, kind of surprised me a little bit. You know, I, I'm not not surprised that they won, but surprised that uh, it was somewhat of a dominant performance. They were beating their ass so bad in the first half, and uh, that kind of shocked me. Just because you know you're missing four starters, three on the offensive line, you're missing your top corner, um, 
against the other team's strengths. You know, yep. Washington's D-line is a strength. Washington receivers are a strength. Um, but for them to go out there and and completely rebound and, and get a win in that type of fashion and, hey, when it got close, you know, the offense kept counterpunching there in the second half and made sure it didn't get any closer and uh, made sure they sealed that game. So that was a uh, it was an encouraging sign. I think we definitely have seen some signs throughout the first couple of weeks that uh, this team is, in fact, uh, improved. They are better. And uh, – different than they were last year. Well, they're different and they're different in a lot of different ways. But, uh, you know, and, and when we sat down, I was thinking like, okay, how do we start this, right? Do we talk about Hutch and his three sacks in the first half? How, you know, how dominant the defense was early on. Carson Wentz looked inept. The offense looked inept. Looked like Washington didn't even show up. And then you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, who ties one record, sets another record. We'll talk about that. Jared Goff, I thought, looked really good. Um, but I, I I think Lions fans are somewhat conditioned to expect the worst. And you go into halftime up 22-0, and then all of a sudden, you know, you've had two drives that were three and outs going into halftime. Not a whole lot going on, but then you come out in the second half, and it's really the same. Washington comes out with a touchdown, three and out for the Lions. Hey, the Lions get an interception, but they don't do anything with it. They pick up a first down, but they have to punt. And then Washington with another touchdown. At what point were you like, oh, f- this. Here we go. <laughs> 22 to 15 oh. was like, oh, no. And, and, Down and one look, score. I think, uh, I think uh, a lot of fans probably felt the same way where – You've seen this movie. You've seen this movie before. Yeah. We've been burned. Generations so have times. watched this movie. It's like just just when you think you got something going, bam, something happens. And um, you know, even later in the game with Washington missing missing the extra point, uh, you know, to keep it a two score game, like that's something that always seems to happen to us. You know what <laughs> I mean? So when it happens to somebody else, it's like, uh, whoa, wait, 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 whoa, a second, is yeah. the other team got some bad luck. Like, what is going on here? You know? So I think uh, that twenty two to seven or fifteen was like. Oh boy, like this offense better start doing something because just like last week, I mean, they, you know, had four straight empty possessions again. And the only difference was they didn't throw a pick six this time. Right. Um, but that offense still hit some lulls there end of the first half, early in the third quarter. Um, you know, but I think the encouraging thing, well, John, was, you know, this team now back to back weeks going over 35 points. Um, and both games feel like there was at least. 10 to 14 more points out there. You know, you look at some plays yesterday, the little gadget play, the toss back, and, uh, you know, DJ Shark double covered in the end zone. That ball hits him in the hands. Yep. You know, he just drops it. That's uh, that's four points because they settle for a field goal. You know, earlier in the game, you go for it. You get three cracks at the end zone from the three-yard line. You go for it on fourth and goal, come up empty there. You know, that's three to seven points, you know. Um, and then even, you know, there was a couple other drives in there where – uh, end of the first half, you know, the Lions uh, had like 30 seconds and they're trying to play aggressive and first, second down, nothing, but third down. I mean, my goodness, DJ Shark wide open. You hit that pass. That was really the one pass Jared Goff, I thought, really would want, wanted back. Yeah. Um, but you hit that pass. I mean, <clears throat> that's at least three points. And there's probably a good chance Shark scores on that yep. play. So you know, when, you t- when you tally those up, you're saying – my goodness, that's, you know, maybe 15 to 18 points that, you know, this team left out on the field. And that's what I think the most encouraging thing, though, is that's what the players talk about after the game. 
That's you what we heard I mean? the first the first week against right. Philly. Yeah. The points that they left on the field. Yeah, and it's different when you lose, but even when you win, even when you score 36 points, which if you average 36 points a game in the NFL, you're going to set records, right? Yeah, you set records, <laughs> but, you're going to win a lot of games. Yeah, but even after a win, you know, and and for the post-game show, I talked to Jared Goff, and, like, that's all he talked about was – it was still, you know, we can't go four, we can't go three and out, you know, four straight series, you know, can't hit those lulls. You can't leave so many points on the board. And part of you wants to be like, well, you still scored 36, you know, <laughs> but uh, to have the players uh, play with those kind of expectations and, you know, that kind of attitude where, hey, we're not satisfied, you know, we like what we're doing, but it can still be better. I think that's just a different characteristic of this team this year. And uh, they expect, uh, they expect to, to perform at a high level and be efficient every single drive. But that's encouraging to me that they're still missing. They're still leaving so much out there, but their offense is still scoring so many damn points. And we're going to try and come this week with, every week, with a couple of episodes. One, obviously we're recapping what happened this past weekend. We want to come with another one on Friday, set you up for the weekend uh, to talk about the the matchup that they'll have this week. And we'll learn more about that matchup tonight as Minnesota takes on the Eagles. Obviously the Eagles, the team that, that, you know, the Lions played last week, so we know directly what Jalen Hurts and company have their potential. What's it going to be like for, for Minnesota? Um, how do they defend Jalen Hurts? How will they defend? How will they look against the Lions? We'll talk about that at the end of the week. But, you know, and you mentioned not only Jared Goff talking about, hey, you know, if I had hit this player, if I had made this throw, Amon Ross St. Brown. So let's go there. Amon Ross St. Brown now has eight games of eight catches or more and that ties an NFL record uh, for, uh, for, for that type of, of number. And the two guys that he tied that record with is Michael Thomas of the New Orleans Saints and Antonio Brown when he was with the Steelers. So mm-hmm. good company to be in. He could break that record against Minnesota. Um, but also another one that you mentioned uh, earlier on the, on the morning show is it's six games with eight or more catches and six consecutive games with a touchdown for Amon St. Brown. What – type of player is he becoming he, he's almost our version of a uh, cooper cup you know he, he's that guy in the slot that uh knows how to get open you know and when you watch cooper cup i don't think anybody he, he probably has some surprising speed um but cooper cup is still it's so weird to say this he's still kind of underrated based off of how you see defenses play him like defenses still try to bracket him like with a linebacker yeah. and a safety and it's like why do, Why are you not double covering this guy? Well, you, you still <laughs> see it like it, it's almost like he's a possession receiver with big play potential that, they, that can go the distance. You yeah. take a three yard pass and go, you know. And I think uh, I'm in Ross St. Brown. Is he a burner? I mean, I wouldn't say so, um, but he's got that talent and that knack and that ability for to, to be such a young player to just get open, and that's huge, man. And that's I mean, we saw it developing. Late last season, we saw we saw St. Brown starting to develop into that reliable target for Jared Goff, and uh, obviously this year has only continued to get better. You know, and and the thing that impresses me about him so much is that when young players, especially, have success, uh, it's very easy for that to you know go to your head and uh, you know start walking around like <laughs> like you're the man. You know. Right. Um, and when I talked, you know, heard 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 Aminara talking about uh, post game last night about the game, he was upset. 
he was mad that he did not catch that slant pass on that last drive with, you know, a minute and a half left to, to ice that game. Now, that was an unbelievable play by Washington's corner. I mean, he got his arm in the perfect spot and knocked that ball away. I don't think there was anything Amon Ra could have done differently, but that's that's like all he was talking about was, yeah. I got to make that play. I got to make that play. And to have a young player um, to talk like that, it, that just, no, it's not good enough until I catch every ball. You know what I mean? It's not good enough until I make every play. Um, that's special, man. I think that is because this kid's going to just keep working hard and hard and hard. And even though he's had uh, that taste of success now, you talk about NFL records. I mean, we talked about it on the radio and, and the guys in the booth were like, I mean, you're talking about, you know, Herman Moore and Calvin Johnson. And we're like, no, you're talking about Amar Jerry Rice. Rice and yeah. you're talking about NFL record with all the <laughs> big time receivers in NFL history, you know, not just Lions history setting records. So, um, Gosh, man, he's just a. He, it, it feels like, it feels like a star in the making, um, but it feels like a star that's already here almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, the kid is just so damn reliable, and and he just knows how to play football. He is just a hell of a football player. Well, and you'd like to see the ball spread around a little bit more, so that it's just not a Monroe St. Brown. Yeah, we'll take our eight, nine, ten catches, but DJ Shark, there's been some drops. Um, and, you know, mentioned the one where he was wide open downfield and, you know, Jared Goff, who everybody says doesn't have arm strength, overthrows him. Uh, then you've got, you know, other guys over there like Josh Reynolds. We saw a touchdown from him. Um, just use your imagination. The offense right now, 35 points against the Eagles, 36 against the Commanders. What's it look like when Jamison Williams is available? hopefully even more explosive, meaning, you know, what we were just talking about, down-the-field passes. I know that Goff has, uh, through two games now, uh, not really utilized that downfield game much. Right. I mean, we saw it maybe once or twice against Philly, and then you saw it, what, maybe once or twice yesterday, you know, to the end of the half that he missed the throw to Chark, and then, you know, even the little trick play, I mean – wasn't a deep throw, but right. at least he took the shot. You know, he's giving the guy a chance to go make a play. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you talk about when you get a speedy receiver, and look, if Jameson Williams is what he's built up to be, you know, people, a lot of people comparing him to like a Tyreek Hill-type speed yeah. guy that can just burn you down the field, um, that's going to open up even more underneath for guys like Amon Ross St. Brown where he makes his magic, and it's going to open up even more for TJ Hawkinson because Hawkinson so. has had – Maybe a little bit of a frustrating start um, this season. Um, but when you look at the last two games, like Jared Goff, the one thing I th- he needs to continue to improve on is not locking in on one guy. You know, because there were a couple plays yesterday, the first pass he threw to Hawkinson, stared him down the whole time, and he got absolutely drilled. That safety came up in that box and completely drilled him. And you don't think Hawkinson's thinking about that the rest of the game? Yeah. You know, in the next three passes, I think were drops because it's human nature, man. I mean, he's a guy that, of course, you expect to make those plays. But as a quarterback, when you set a guy like up like that and he gets drilled, it's like, come on, man, that's going to be in the back of his head, you know? So I think Goff still needs to continue to improve. There's still too many forced passes you know, where he just locks in on one guy, and this is where I'm throwing the ball. And there was a third down yesterday, I, th- I think, too early in the third quarter. He tried to stuff one into triple coverage that almost got picked. Yeah. And there was somebody streaking over the middle wide open. And it's like, okay, you, know, you want to show us, you know, that that next step, that next level of improvement. Those are the plays we need to have consistently. So, um, but Hawkinson, look, I, he's probably frustrated. I think we saw it in the Philly game after the pick six. He came off and, 
you know, there was clearly a miscommunication there with Goff. Um, yesterday, you know, he ends up what with the three catches and, uh, you know, he made the last met last three of them, one of them being a big one on yep. a third down over the middle tight coverage. Um, but he's, he's, he's a guy that just going back to the original point, when you get more, another speedy receiver that can take the top off a of defense, now those safeties are going to start playing a little deeper. Those corners are going to start playing a little deeper. That's going to open up the plays underneath for the guys like Hawkinson, who we expect to continue to be a good player, and even Amon Ross St. Brown, to make more magic happen. Because if you put, you know, we assume it'll be Williams. You know, we're talking, what, probably six, seven, eight weeks down the road. But yeah. you have Williams, you know, Chark, Amon Ra. And Hawkinson, I mean, we I don't expect Jamison Williams to come out and just light the league on fire. But if you talk about those four guys, somebody's probably getting double covered, and three of those guys are going to get one-on-one opportunities. And whatever three you mix in there, I expect all those guys to be able to beat single coverage. I just yeah. do. So that's just going to add a whole different dynamic to this team. We'll, we'll just see how far off we are. I mean, I, I know we, they talked about kind of – you ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mid-October, maybe that yeah. week six type space. I mean, I can't wait to see that kid play, though. I'm I can't wait. I'm so man. excited to see him play and just to see what he brings to this offense. Another level um, you know, of speed and, and just more talent. And opening up the run game more, too. You know, you talk about Washington yesterday. I mean, seven, eight, nine guys in the box. Uh, you can't do that when you got a burner on the outside, man. So that's going to benefit the whole offense, not just the passing game. Now, TJ, I do want to stay on the offensive side of the ball before we start talking about some of the performances on defense. And you and I both watch a lot of this offensive line. Uh, we, I, at least I expected Frank to probably go again, um, not practice a whole lot, but go during the game. 
Uh, we knew Hal Vitae was out, but the one that we didn't expect, um, and we found out on Wednesday that Jonah Jackson had a little boo-boo on his finger. Um, so he was unable to go. I don't, it drives me absolutely f***ing nuts when you miss a game because of a finger. Have you ever played with a broken finger? Uh, I think I've played with every broken finger before, you know. I, 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 I to- I'm totally Please with tell me it's a drastic injury. I think it, I think it has to be. You know, I, and just, I say this because, you know, look at Decker last year. I mean, missing eight games with the finger. Yeah, but it was, his, okay, much, at least it was, was surgically like, repaired. And it was, like, really bad. Okay. Um, for Jonah, I mean, and just in the back of my mind, it's got to be something similar just because I know what kind of player Jonah is. Like, he's a dude that you, you can literally not question that guy's toughness. You know what I mean? He's an old-school type guy, John, where I would, he, he will play through anything. So for him to miss a game because of a finger. of a finger is like, yeah, I mean, some of us old-school guys kind of, you know, Wince at that a little bit. You do. I mean, because it's like, tape it up, man. Put a cast on that bitch. Let's go. Like, you don't need your hand. You got nine other ones. Lucas Patrick last night for the Bears is playing with a full club on his hand. You're like, yeah, come on, man. Just club that bitch up. But um, I I, I say that, but Jonah's just a guy in my mind that he's he's earned the right to not have his toughness questioned. Right. um, Because he is that kind of old school grinder. So for him to miss a game because of it just tells me. It's got to be something more than just a finger. Uh, maybe you're talking hand. Maybe you're talking wrist. And it's got to be something, you know, I hope he doesn't miss too much time because right. he's a hell of a player. But for him to miss time, it does have to be pretty significant, in my opinion. So having said that, all right, well, I didn't want this to turn into a a bash session. and, and no, I, it's I, not. It, it's, it's but not. everybody feels the same way. So I, it, I know, just if see If you talk it. about quarterback, you know, breaking a finger on their throwing hand, obviously can't play. You talk about a line D line. Yeah. It's like. Tape that bitch up, yeah. man. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, I think talk to offensive linemen that have played in the league. I mean, I got asked about it yesterday. Do you ever break a finger? I'm like, which one and how many right. times? You yeah, know, exactly. <laughs> of course we all did, you know, and then you find a way, but some are worse than the others. And, uh, yeah. you yeah. know, anyway, I, I hope to see him back sooner than later because he, he gosh, Jonah's a, he's a really impressive guard, man. And he's a big part of that offense. But with that he played being said, really well week one, did. but yeah, with that being said, that being said, three guys new inside going against the strength of this Washington commander defense, which is their front seven. Now I know they're down chase young, but the other guys they have up front are good players. This offensive line was outstanding. They were good. I would say they were good. Um, well, I think the run the, game was with good. the hand with, with, that they were dealt. Yes, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> with, the, with the finger they were dealt. Right. Um, I, yes. With you got three backups going in. Yes, and not a great opening drive. The only the only reason I would say you know maybe a minus was. The protection broke down probably too many times. Okay, but we're um, still talking about I, three no, backups totally in the middle. It. Like I, it's not even every other guy; it's the three no. guys in the middle. And you know, you know. I do know is. that guards are pretty much interchangeable. <laughs> you can put anybody <laughs> in there. They're fighting in a phone booth. Not when you're so one on one the entire game, man. You see D tackles oh, nowadays. They're not just three thirty like they used to be back in the nineties, John. These dudes are fucking <laughs> back athletes, in man. The 90s. These dudes are athletes. <laughs> I played one damn year. <laughs> yeah. The 90s. <laughs> you see these DNs rushing from the inside now. It's like, what are you doing in here? Get the uh-huh. hell out of here. But no, I think, look, it was impressive. It definitely yeah. was. Um, Stenberg making his second start. Look, he's, a, in my opinion, much better run blocker than he is pass protector. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you get into a game where you have to ask him to pass block 30, 40 times one-on-one, he's going to get beat a couple times, you know. And uh, I, I think he's going to continue to improve. 
Uh, Evan Brown was a guy that, look, when Frank was ruled out Friday, uh, I don't think it was a huge overreaction because he started so many games last year. And, right. and in my opinion, Evan Brown's a starting center in this league. I I'm, mean, so, I I'm at, just happy that he's still here. I thought right. we would lose him in free I agency. Too. I or so. when Tampa center went down, I thought he was a guy that would be identified by other GMs to say, He's not starting. Let's see if we can trade for him. Yeah, he was also a guy that they benefited having the, you know, restricted tender on. Right. So if somebody wanted to sign him, they were going to have to give up draft picks. But, you know, I look at him and, and Frank, Not, I'm not going to say interchangeable because Frank's obviously an all-pro type guy, but you got a 1A and a 1B, right? Yep. It's not really 2, 3, 4 on the depth chart there. It's 1A, 1B. So Evan Brown was uh, solid as we, we saw last year. Um, but the big news, man, and, you know, Gosh, I even got a little bit emotional just watching the clips yesterday was was Dan Skipper because this was a guy I haven't played for four years, John. I mean, Dan Skipper was a, a young player when I was in the league. We're talking four or five years ago. Um, such a damn hardworking guy, man. He just is. And for so many years now, he's kind of been on the wrong end of just the numbers game. Uh, we saw in hard knocks, you know, the, Dan Campbell looked genuinely – just freaking torn up when they had to release him. I know they were happy it's hard to get to him back. Good on. Dudes. It is, man, and he's a good. He's he's a great guy. First of all, but he just he embodies individually everything that Dan Campbell wants to do with, with a football team. It, just the toughness, the grit, the attitude, the hard work, the passion. Like Dan Skipper embodies every every characteristic. He does, and he was just a guy for me that I just couldn't wait to see this guy finally get a chance. Yeah. And he gets his chance yesterday. He's six nine. He's probably the tallest guard in NFL history. It's hard to be tall in there. And and you're going against an all pro guy in John Allen. And uh, you know, what what is what were John Allen's stats yesterday? Two tackles. You know, now we know John Allen was a little beat up going into that game, but who cares, man? That's an all pro type dude. And you're a guy making a your first career start at a position you never played. And you go out there like that and, and you allow that offense to not worry about you. That's all. That's what offensive linemen want to do. Don't worry about me. Don't change the playbook because yeah. of me. Don't start, you know, keeping extra guys in protection just so you can double team, uh, you know, my guy. You know, don't start running away from me because you know I can't. That's just that's all you want to do. And Dan Campbell or Dan Dan Skipper allowed them to run their offense and not only run their offense but run it at a high level again. You know, thirty six points, hundred ninety something yards on the ground. Uh, I know we saw the three sacks in there, but none of those were on him. A um, couple times you saw a pressure a little bit where it looked like he was going to get beat, and he recovers. And it's mm-hmm. just like, God damn, like you just can't help but to to feel happy for a guy like that, a guy that's busted his ass now for, what, five, six years on practice squads, bouncing around, finally gets a chance, steps in, takes care of business. You got the whole team, you know, cheering your name after the game. Uh, coach sends you to the podium. Man, it's just like – it, it it was it was almost like a you could write a freaking movie script yeah, off a story of it, you know yeah. like it was just awesome and for me it, I, I kind of I got emotional too watching that just because you know what kind of guy he is but it was impressive man and you, you also got to talk a little bit too about uh, Hank Fraley I mean he went through the same oh, thing yeah. last year we saw what nine ten eleven different guys start for this offensive line last year uh, because of injuries and how many different combinations and every single game like the guys were ready to go. And with Hank, he's just such a he's such a calming presence, I think, to have as a coach where 
you know you're not going to come off the field after a mistake and get your ass ripped and right. all of a sudden try to start doing too much or start panicking or worrying. He's a guy that gives you confidence. And when you talk about young players and you talk about backups, that might be the most important thing in the world. Send those guys out there with confidence that you're here for a reason. We wouldn't be playing you if we didn't think you were a good player. Get yep. out there, get the job done, man. And for, for what, the last year and, uh, you know, two games now, uh, he's got he gets his guys ready to go. So he is he is a true, I think, underrated part of that coaching staff um, with all the moving pieces. And, you know, you're ta- not talking about quarterbacks. You're not talking about, you know, uh, you know, the corner position where it's two guys. You got five guys out there. You got to get on the same yep. page every single play. And he's done that, man. And I think that's just a testament to the kind of coach he is. Now, I mean, we've spent a lot of time talking about the offense, and we should because the offense, as we mentioned, over 35 points each of the first two games. It's explosive, but it's also going to have to be explosive because defensively, you know, Carson Wentz, while he had a slow start, threw for 337 yards, three touchdowns. Um, but early on in that game, you mentioned the Lions gave up three sacks. Aiden Hutchinson had three sacks himself. Yeah, in the first, like, 20 minutes of the game. Yeah, <laughs> it was a great second game for Aiden Hutchinson for this defense. We saw a safety. We saw we saw a, a coach in Dan Campbell have enough confidence in his offense that, hey, I'm going to go for it on, a go, on fourth and goal. We don't get it. Hey, defense, you've got our back. They go in there and they get a safety. Uh, but just your thoughts – as, as a whole on this defense before we start talking about some of the individual performances? Yeah, well, clearly just a much better effort as yeah. far as, um, you know, the pursuit and the finish, I think, were two things that stood out. Last week we just saw way too many times where they were close to making a play and couldn't do it. You know what I mean? They lost a lot of those uh, situations last week with Philly where – Hey, third and 15, man, get off the field. Oh, Jalen Hurts scrambles for 16 yards. You know, hey, third and eight, somebody step up big. Oh, we had pressure, you know, couldn't bring Jalen Hurts down. Oh, he throws the ball for, you know, 20-yard, whatever it was. Like, they just weren't winning those battles. And yesterday they did. Yesterday they did, man. They were uh, much better to start the game. Uh, You know, you look at just Washington, boy, they have one first down in the first half. Yeah. I mean, like, I just can't remember the last time I saw a defense play like that here in Detroit. They had more yards in their opening drive of the second half than they had in the entire first half. the entire first half. I think it was like 50-some yards in the first half and like 300-some in the second half, which obviously isn't good, but um, the finish was good, man. It was. Getting to the quarterback uh, early, getting to him often. I think at one point, Carson Wentz's first – nine passes he had been hit five times and sacked three so he was hit (laughs) all but one pass which was probably that wide receiver screen we saw in the first third down um so they were getting to him and that's just the way they got to play and that's the way we expected them to play against a much lesser talented offensive line than what they saw in philly and obviously a much more traditional quarterback in Carson Wentz, then you just had to face in Jalen Hurts. Um, and, for, you know, you talk about every position group looked to me like they improved, you know, every position group. I think last week, uh, like I just mentioned, the defensive line got close a bunch of times, didn't finish. Yesterday they finished. The linebacking crew uh, last week was really nowhere to be found for a majority of that game going against Philly's run. Like, they didn't know where to fit. They didn't know who had the ball. They didn't know what was going on. They couldn't make attack. You know what I mean? The linebackers yesterday showed up. I thought Anzalone, that might have been his best performance we've seen from him since he's been in Detroit. And a lot of that probably has to do with, look, 
We all know Malcolm Rodriguez is getting a lot of attention, man. He's getting a lot of love from the Rightfully fans. So. He's getting a lot of love from the media. Sometimes if you're a veteran player at the same position, you know, I don't think there's any, uh, you know, bad blood or anything like that. But that's no. going to make you want to step up a little bit, yeah. right? That's going to make you want to compete a little bit more and say, hey, don't forget about me now. You know, and I think Anzalone's a guy who who showed up big time yesterday. And um, just as a, as a unit, you know, you can nitpick all you want about the second half. Um, but just the way they started that game, like that was, that was what we expected from them. You know, that's what we expected from, I think the one player, obviously everybody's talking about Aiden Hutchinson, but like yesterday we saw exactly what kind of player he was billed to be. You know what I mean? When you talk about setting the edge in the run game, you talk about putting pressure on the quarterback, you talk about the hustle, uh, the effort, the finish. Uh, and even the toughness part of it, you know, because there was part. I mean, I didn't see the TV copy yet, but oh, he was, he was limping notice, around. He they was showed him limping, limping in that yeah. second half, and you know, he kept trying. No fingers going to keep a Michigan try- man out of the game. <laughs> he kept trying to come in the game, and the coaches were kind of like, "Nah, take a play, take a play." And he's like, "No, dude, like that's my spot, man. I'm getting yeah. out there, right?" So he saw that toughness too, and um, it was just overall. I think the the my final uh, thought would be the complimentary football they played in all three aspects. I thought the special teams had an outstanding day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought the offense uh, had a A-minus day. Uh, I would only say A-minus because they did have four straight empty possessions there again in the first and second quarter. Um, but the defense, you know, when they had to make some stops, they did. And sometimes that's all you need in the NFL, man. If you shut out a team in the in the first half and your offense scores some points, yeah, there's always a chance they can come back, make it a little tighter, but – you gave them just enough cushion to make sure that game didn't get any closer than than what it ended up uh, being. And uh, it was about time we were on the freaking side of some good luck with another team missing an extra point, doing something stupid yeah. to shoot themselves in the foot because it feels like so many times that's happened to us. So that's what that's, to me, what feels different about this team is their ability to counterpunch. When the offense struggling, hey, defense, we need to stop. When the defense is, you know, letting up a bunch of yards and tough points, offense, go match them. Right. We saw that yesterday. They were able to counterpunch. And that, to me, that's a sign of a good football team. Yeah, and as we send you off, uh, I just want to highlight the special teams real quick. It, you had a 52-yard kickoff return by Khalif Raymond, which was obviously put the Lions in great field position. But Jack Fox, averaging over 55 yards per punt, uh, is it's a huge weapon. And if your offense, save for those four, you know, three and outs, if you can get a couple of first downs, you have to score on every drive, but if you can flip the field and then you've got a weapon like Jack Fox to be able to you know, pin a team down inside their 20 with a defense that's not the strength of your team, making the opponents go 80-plus yards every single time, you're going to come up on the better end, especially if you're scoring 35, 36 points a game. But Yeah, and their coverage units were great too, man. I mean, they were late. I, they, gosh, I don't so remember. So big hits. Kiln or whatever his name was yeah. for Washington tried to return the first two, got popped. After that, it was like, nah, f*** that. Fair catch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. You know, that's just a testament yeah. to the special teams too. Well, we'll get a chance to talk to you on Friday as we'll, we'll be watching the game tonight, Minnesota Vikings against the Philadelphia Eagles. We'll let you know what our expectations are as the Detroit Lions go on the road for the first time up to the city of Minnesota to take on the Vikings next Sunday. We'll talk to you Friday on Necessary Roughness.